heavier traveling light There's one thing that's right wherever I go That's where I am Uh, I'm going to get right into it this week. Public apology to wonderful national treasure actor John Lithgow. Sorry for scaring you out of the lounge at the Detroit airport. Uh, I apologize. I I was two whiskeys deep. Did you know the drinks are free at the lounge? Which is a whole other issue over there. Every time I see a TikTok video where there's trashed people, I'm like, how'd you get that hammered at the airport? And then now I know they just have lounge access where they don't charge you and they'll just keep giving it to you. But yeah, this is what happened. I was I had a layover at the Detroit airport flying back home. And uh, I'm at the Sky Lounge, lounging it up. I'm new to it, so I show up early. And I'm sitting there, second whiskey deep. Here comes John Lithgow, who at the moment I just knew he was famous, but I didn't know who he was exactly. And he sat down next to me for all of five to seven seconds. I think he saw how much I was staring at him, and he left. Like as soon, he didn't even get to unruffle his like blazer. You know, when you sit down, you crinkle the back of that blazer. He didn't even get a chance to unruffle it before he realized that my glazy whiskey-filled eyes were looking at his beautiful actor face, and he's like, "That's enough of that." And he just walked out. He walked, he had the look on his face that he did when he opened the door and first saw Harry, like the the Bigfoot from Harry and the Hendersons, and just kind of wasn't there a scene where he opened the closet, made eye contact, and went, Well, that's quite enough of that. And then he just left. That's how he looked at me. And I guess it makes sense because when you've been famous for that long, you can probably sense when someone's going to bother you. And I was going to bother him. I was definitely going to bother him. I can already tell you how I was going to bother him. First, I was going to mistake him for Charles Grodin and tell him that I loved the movie uh, Beethoven and that it made me want a St. Bernard. And I loved that you that was the first movie that showed when you punch someone in the face, you can hurt your hand because he punched the evil veterinarian in the face and went, I think I broke my hand. That's a different actor. That's Charles Grodin. That's not John Lithgow, who has done a million things. And then after he left... I was trying to realize who he was, and I tried to Google him, and I didn't know what to put into Google. I was like, tall British actor. He's not British, by the way. I found that out after my fifth Google search. I think I confused him with John Cleese, and I confused him with uh, Charles Grodin, until finally I'm like, the dad from Harry and the Hendersons. And as I looked that up, I'm like, John Lithgow, that SOB. So I apologize, John. I'm so sorry that I scared you away. Uh, I just get very starey when it comes to celebrities. I, I remember once in, in West Hollywood, there was a restaurant next to the improv, and I went in to have lunch, and I scared off... Uh, who's the big-headed guy from Entourage, the actor, Ari Gold? Jeremy Piven. Jeremy Piven. He came in. By the way, huge head. Huge head on Jeremy Piven. Yeah. And he's like five, he's shorter than me. I'm 5'9". He's like maybe 5'6". Well, has, not to quote from Entourage itself, but bigger the head, bigger the star. That's yes. a famous line from that show. Huge. And, it, you know, he's kind of fun. Didn't he get Me too old Jeremy Piven? I don't know if he got Me too but he definitely got, there was some sort of like weird stuff that prevented him. But he just got um he just got like a big award at Cannes, I think. He did. For a movie he just did. So okay. Maybe that means he'll stop doing stand-up. Please. <laughs> Please, Jeremy Piven, listen, I don't know if you doing stand-up 
was in retaliation to me scaring you out of that restaurant because I stared at you while you ate carrots. Uh, you got you had a weird dish. You had carrots on kale, and uh, I just remember staring at you. It was a small restaurant because you're famous. All right, you're famous. I'm a regular person, and I'm gonna stare at you. And uh, you eventually caught eyes with me about five or six times. You're like, that's quite enough of that. And you didn't finish your carrots and kale. You didn't even take it to go. You just left. And uh, I'd like to apologize to John Lithgow. Jeremy Piven, if you quit doing comedy, I'll, I'll apologize to you. <laughs> I honestly don't care that you do comedy, but you might be taking a weekend that maybe I could get. So get out of here. Great actor, though. He's really good. I mean, he's really good. It makes me wonder... Because of, and I'm not sure about the Me Too stuff, if he just got an award at Cannes, maybe not. He posted some, I do follow him on Instagram because I, he like bailed on a gig in he, Miami, like a corporate gig. Okay. And then I got called in to like go, go finish it. Oh no. And it was like 8 p.m. and they were like, you got to get here by 7 a.m. And so I jumped on the last flight, spirit flight out of LaGuardia. Wow. Got down there and then I hit him up. I was like, hey man, I'm here to close out your gig because he stayed in the hotel at the Fountain Blue. And then I, I was trying, we were t chatting back and forth. I was like, hey, I'm a comic. Do you want to get a beer or something? And he couldn't, he was like, nah, I don't know, nah, whatever. But, why uh, couldn't he do the gig? I mean, I could tell you why if you want tell, to know. I would love to know. This is what we want to know. Why so couldn't this is, all this is all speculation. Yeah. So this is all for entertainment purposes. The, uh, from what I understand, he, does he, because he was supposed to like MC at like, do stand up and then MC like the awards or something the next day or okay. MC like whatever. Yeah. He did the stand up the night before and he was like, nah, I don't feel like doing the MC stuff. And they're like, well, that's part that's of the, deal. the gig. It's yeah. a two, three day gig. He was like, nah. And they were like, well, we need to, now we don't have anybody. And so then just then you lines came, so got you came bing, into boom. the MC, the award uh, show. Plus part. stand up also. It was like a two parter thing. So it was like MC. That's why he dropped out. Stand up, MC, and then stand up. And right. then I came in and did the MC and then the stand up. At that's, the end. That's exactly why he dropped out, because he did all his material night one. Hilarious. And, no, it is. It was 20 minutes, so if that's he did. That's it? <laughs> Dude, like, well, how much, listen, this is no knock on Jeremy Piven. Amazing actor, but when you transition into comedy, and you're doing a cor corporate gig, gigs have to suck even if you're famous. They're pure hell. Yeah. yeah. Even if you're famous, like, just so you know... If you don't do comedy, if you have an hour of material, when you're at a corporate gig or on a cruise ship or at a college, you have about 40 minutes of material because you are saying it so fast and some of the stuff is eating it so hard that your 60 minutes becomes 40 because of the pace you're throwing it out of your face. And so if, if Jeremy Piven, actor who pivots to stand-up, did 20 minutes night one and decides to not do the rest of the weekend, that means he, he, had, he thought he had an hour and it whittled down to 20 minutes, and he's like, well, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore, and I don't blame him. It is nice to know that you're number two in the list behind Jeremy Pivot. I don't know where I was in the list, but I was the one that could get to Miami. That's, <laughs> so you, whatever that is. You were the Zach Wilson to uh, Aaron Rodgers blowing out his Achilles and sitting down. That's pretty much what Jeremy Pivot did. He sat down in the hotel, and then you had to come in with your headband and and figure out how to MC and do some stand up at this yeah. corporate. So he won something at the Venice Film Festival. What was it? Recently, it doesn't say for a Better World Fund and whatever. I don't know what it is. Charity. But what an award. He's always been nice to me. I've bumped into him in the city a couple times. Okay. You know. All right, so if he's pleasant, I'll take it back. Keep doing stand up. Who Jeremy. knows what he who well, let's not get crazy. But <laughs> he's not he's just he seemed like a sweet guy. I don't know anything about him outside of in the real world, but Right. It's uh, it's always weird when those like 
because there are some stand-ups that I don't know if they are stand-ups, but they definitely do stand-up now. Like, you know Jay Farrow? Mm-hmm. Is he a traditional stand-up? I think so, because he, he always came from live performance doing impressions and stand-up. I don't know if he was like a long-term Stand-up and comedian, then went to SNL. But I think there's that's a live performance type of art. Okay, because I, I had to follow him at Gotham uh, like a couple weeks ago, and it was my first taste of like, moving to New York and having to go on after someone. Like, mm-hmm. he's not the most famous person in the New York scene that you might have to follow. Obviously, he's not, like, having to follow Chappelle or Seinfeld or right, right, Gaffigan right. or somebody. But, like, it was the first time I had to, like, go up after. And he crushed so hard. And I was like, all right, this is my moment to have to go on after this person who has, who's notoriety and he's dressed like a rapper and he looks cool. Yeah, but some about famous people, they just shine. I don't know what kind of lotion they have, but Charles, uh, Charles, I almost called him Charles Grodin again. John Lithgow glowed. That man has to be 80. He glowed. President Biden doesn't have that kind of lotion, and he's the president of the free world. John Lithgow glowed. Uh, Jeremy Piven with his giant bowling ball head eating carrots and kale glowed. They glow like pregnant women. It's amazing, but they're not pregnant. They're just famous. Uh, who else? Every famous person I've ever seen, they just have this perfect skin, like no issues, and they're just at the airport. I saw uh, D.L. Hughley once at the airport. He was dressed like a pirate at LAX at 5 a.m. for some reason. Feather in his cap. Yeah, yeah. He had, no, he had a giant <laughs> yeah. dumb hat, and he, he hired the same stylist, I think, and just went, what does Johnny Depp wear? Give me that. And so <laughs> he was just, but it was 5 a.m. We are on the same flight headed to Dallas or something. And uh, uh, glowed. How do these famous people? I think that's why we stare. You know, I was telling my wife this after I, because I she knows that I stare at the famous, and she's like, "What is the psychology behind that?" And I was trying to think about it, and I was like, "Well, it's kind of like you know when you see someone you went to high school with, and you see them out in public, mm. and you're like, oh, I know that person,' and then you make the decision." And you remember your relationship with that person in high school. And then you make the decision of, do I go say hi or do I pretend I don't know this person? And then you make that call and then you go for it. Seeing a famous person is kind of like seeing a person you know because they're on your TV. And then you're like, oh, I know that guy. But then you remember, oh, they don't know who I am. I just watched them. And so you just have that moment where you're like, I know that person, but I don't have a reason to talk to him. But then you go, should I talk to him? Should I get a picture? Should I say hello? Should I say I loved him in Beethoven and embarrass myself because he wasn't in the movie Beethoven? And you kind of do that back and forth. And then now just talking that out, I realize it had nothing to do with any of that. It's because they have shiny, glowy skin and they look like they're from another planet because they kind of are because they're famous. He's so funny is that Charles Grodin now looks like... Biden. Does kind of look like um, Lithgow. Oh, he de- see, but not. He did never look like John Lithgow before. before. Right. But now, as an old man, he kind yeah. of look. I'm looking at two of the two old photos, and it's 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 easy to confuse the two. It is because it's first of all, it's from my childhood, so they just look like dads to me. They had the that classic movie dad look from the 90s, where they're like, "We don't want a dog," you know, like that kind of. All of them had the vibe. Of when a kid runs up to him, go, can we get a dog? They go, we don't, we're not a dog family. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they all, all the dads back then, like apparently, because I grew up in a single parent household, everything I knew about a traditional household, I learned from movies. And I learned dad comes home, mom's on the kid's side all the time, and dads suck. And they never want, they'll like punch a mean vet eventually. 
but that's after they've disappointed the kids many times and they never want dogs and they're always sad when grandma visits. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I learned from watching 90s uh, family movies. I love it. Yeah. that And if you're a kid, you can learn karate and beat up adults. Remember Three Ninjas? Oh, God. Kick oh three ninjas, God. Three Ninjas kick back. Who were you? Which Three Ninja were you? I liked the middle one. The, the edgy one. Because they all broke them down, much like the Ninja Turtles. There'd be a leader, like Leonardo, and then there, there, there might have been a science one, like Donatello, but with the three ninjas, they had the leader, Rocky. Rocky. Which was pretty much Leonardo. Then they had the middle edgy one, which was like Raphael. Colt. Colt was his name. And then they had Michelangelo, who was Tum Tum. I was Tum Tum. Yes. Yeah. Just ate snacks. He's always, he's always a Twizzler hanging out of his mouth. Yeah. The kid had a vibe to him. He's like a, he's like the Jerome Bettis of ninjas, where he's like, you're like, that guy's not a professional athlete, and then he's got quick feet, and, you know, and he kicks as much ass as the rest of the kids, but there was a big uh, push for, I think, karate classes in the 90s, because oh, I, I definitely took karate in the 90s, all because of Jean-Claude Van Damme, Three Ninjas, Surfing Ninjas. I like that you went from Three Ninjas, Kickback, and Bloodsport were yeah. the two. <laughs> you did grow up in a single parent household, Dude, didn't you? Nobody watched. My mom is Hungarian. She doesn't know what rated R means. I watched. Uh, I, I I think I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. I was around. At kindergarten Power Rangers debuted, and all my friends in kindergarten lost their minds over the Power Rangers, and I couldn't get into the Power Rangers. Because I had already watched Bloodsport and Kickboxer, mm. where like they're kicking down palm trees, avenging his girlfriend's rape, uh, breaking people's legs, showing ass cheeks. Remember how my, every movie you'd see Van Damme's ass, and then now you're watching uh, Power Rangers, where you're like, no one, no one bleeds. Like this is lame, dude. You guys need to watch Bloodsport. And but for some reason, I was into Three Ninjas. Three Ninjas, I I felt was more. Uh, there's that scene where the kid dunked. That was like my dream. All th- Do you remember that? In one of the early scenes of Three Ninjas, yeah. the main leader is playing a bully in basketball, one-on-one. And it flies from half court. Fly- uh, yes. Yeah. Dunks like Jordan from the foul line. Yeah. And everyone's like, whoa. And I'm like, I maybe I could do that one day. Yeah. Maybe. I think Three Ninjas Kickback or Three Ninjas also taught you that it might have been the first time I was like, oh, you can kick someone in the balls? <laughs> do you remember that yes. the doll they had and the yes. eyes lit up red his when he kicked his nuts red, yeah. yeah that was a good and time it, it, that movie also showed or that you could also be kicked in the balls like woo yes. <laughs> we are in trouble here guys and and it was also one of the first multicultural movies where they showed you you can be three white kids but have a Japanese grandfather for some <laughs> reason remember that and you're like well and they never explained how that happened because the mom was also not Japanese and was the like, dad Nobody was Japanese except for the grandfather. Yeah, that's um I think she might have been a, I think the mother was I guess adopted, I think was the backstory. That's pretty progressive to adopt the other I like way. That. Yeah. 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 yeah, adopt the other way, especially for 92, like I'm sure Tipper Gore or somebody was up in arms about it. Tipper Gore. <laughs> I don't know, wasn't she the one that was like mad at rap music back in the day cuz and then she came up with the parental advisory sticker. Oh, was it? Yeah, and then Two Life Crew, everyone used it to their advantage, and then they were like, yeah, we'll just sell more records because we'll say this isn't allowed. Yeah, she was. She was the one that uh, got the explicit lyrics. Thing. I remember stuff that I have no business remembering. The Family Values campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, have times changed. 
boy is Tipper Gore got an awful nickname. Name? <laughs> Her name is Mary Elizabeth Atchison Gore. You know what? Go with Tipper. Go with Tipper. Good Lord. Ah, me and my wife, Tipper. And you're like, what? Is that a drinking nickname? Like, what, is, what, is, what does Tipper mean? That's a, I don't know. But anyway, that was a long way to circle back to, I'm sorry, John Lithgow. I'm sorry for staring at you. And I can't promise you that I won't stare again. Um, which also, congrats to you for not flying private and just flying on a regular commercial Hanging flight. out at the Delta Lounge. Hanging out at the Delta Lounge, which mm. I'm new to, and I love the Delta Lounge. Are you new because of a credit card? Or did yes. You, which credit can, can I ask? Yeah, I got the purple uh, Amex Reserve. Uh, but I also, I, I, I've been told that I didn't have to do this, but I incorporated. So yeah. now I'm Zoltan Comedy Incorporated. And then I got the reserve card. There's rumors now. I don't want to burst your bubble. Oh, no. But I just saw this the other day because I'm a platinum card holder. Okay. That they're going to start limiting the number of visits you can have with the, the Amex cards. Every time yeah. I make it to the next level in my career, yep. they move the goalposts. That's because there's too many people. They've made That's it too true. accessible of a card. It's true. When I was at the Detroit airport, I had to go to the third lounge. It's too packed. First one was full. Second one I couldn't find, but my app said it was full. And then the third one was very busy, but I was able to get in and find a seat. Hopefully you took the tram and you didn't walk it. No, I walked. <laughs> I walked it. But they're all on the third level. They're, they're all, all on the second the, yes, level. Just I could have I could have taken the tram. The little bar hop. <laughs> yeah. But here's my dumb thing. I didn't work out for two days okay. on that trip. And I'm like, let me get these steps That's in. That's actually smart. Yeah. Let me get these yeah. stupid steps in. And uh but that Man, that really upsets me because honestly, that's how my entire comedy career has felt. Every time I get something, that something isn't worth that much. Like I remember the first time my that Modern Mail special hit a million. Mm -hmm. If I would have gotten a million views in 2010, I would have been Chris Rock. Yeah, I would have been the most famous. I would have been. Wait, who's the guy that the music? Uh, God, I'm so bad with names. Bo Burnham. Yes. Bo Burnham had like 100,000 views in 2008, and they made him a superstar. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it, it, like the they keep extending the goalposts. Like by the time I get a million views, they're like a million views is like 100,000 views. That's not even that many views anymore. And then now I finally, you know how long I've been flying for comedy? Since like 2012, I think. And that's back when I was flying Frontier in the back row, hoping to break even on the trip. Not only would I not be close to sniffing lounge access, I wouldn't buy anything at the airport because I couldn't afford it. I was the guy packing sandwiches and granola bars and just like no water because you can't bring water through TSA. So I'd show up dehydrated, getting uh, 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 migraine headaches. That's one of my triggers, not enough water and food. And it's one of everyone's triggers. Is it? Yeah, dehydration. Yeah, yeah, is, dehydration uh, is, every time I have a headache, my girlfriend's like, did you drink water? I'm like, no. no take, I, I take a one sip and it's gone. Yeah, then it goes <laughs> away. So like I worked, it took me so long to finally get to this purple stupid card to get in the lounge and now they're going to limit my now access. Now it's a wrap. Dude, my wife and I went to the lounge. It's a rumor. It's okay. I hope it's, it's a wrong. rumor. I hope, it, I hope it doesn't work out. My wife and I hit the lounge when we flew back from... Uh, Arizona, we landed at home, but we have an hour Uber from JFK to Brooklyn, and we stopped off at the lounge at after we had no more flights and grabbed dinner and, and a drink and then went and grabbed an Uber. So I hope they don't take that away. I hope. But also, speaking of uh, dehydration and headaches, 
I'm trying to drink more water. I think that's what we're supposed to do. Even though we're running out of water, apparently. I don't think that's a good campaign for the world. But uh, we were talking about this before we started, Mike. I can't stop peeing. Like, it's it's gotten to the point where on my drive from Madison, Wisconsin to Milwaukee, which is 90 minutes, an hour and a half, I drank a baby bottle of water before I left, and then I finished a bigger bottle of water in the car. And it's not even that I have to pee. It's the urgency of which I have to pee. I either don't have to pee or I'm about to piss my pants. We, we skipped the middle part. And I don't know if that's a prostate issue. I don't know if that's uh you're just 36 now, so you're always going to be on the verge of peeing your pants. But I rolled in to the airport, and, you know, the kid's over there with, like, the, would you like me to email your, yes, email the receipt. My teeth are floating. And um, he's like, is there anything I could, else I can help you with? I'm like, yeah, where is the restroom? And normally I'd be embarrassed because I'd be in my head going, I don't want this guy to think I have diarrhea. And, uh... But he's like, oh, it's over there. And I just like wheeled it over there. And then once I get over there, I had to pee. You ever do this where you had to pee so bad for so long, it doesn't even burst out of you like like the Niagara. It trickles out. It just gets you there. And then you're like, what the yeah, hell what just is happening? Happened? Yeah. What? Why? And then why? And I'm just like, I'm hanging on to the divider. I'm like, I'm like the urinal divider. I'm like, oh. Uh, I sound, I'm making noises that the guy in the stall with his pants down by his ankles should be making. But I'm over there just, ah, oh, oh, dear God. And, <laughs> and and it if this is, what it, what the reason it scares me is, if this is me at 36, and we live to, I don't know, be lucky enough to be 70, 80, 90. Doubt it. What's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the genetics for it. I don't have the genetics for it. There's a know. scene from uh, Zoolander, Jerry Stiller's, he's the agent. Yes. And he's trying to piss, and he's just looking up at the sky, praying to God. He's like, just one drip. <laughs> yes. Give me one drip. I'm like, every time I go to the bathroom, I'm like, this that's going to be me one day. And I, I'm so scared of that. It's uh, the problems that come up. And that's the age I thought I would have that issue. But apparently it starts at 36. And so it's either that, it's either I have to piss myself, or I think I'm done peeing, and then I put my pants on, and I go to leave. And then you're like, oh, how about like three drops just flow out of the tip of your pee-pee, just to put a nice little quarter-sized piss stain right on your pants. I used to have a joke where I'd be like, I, I sit down to pee now. <laughs> But it's not because I'm lazy. It's because I know the second I'm done peeing, I'm gonna have to pee a little more. So yeah. I just, I just I grab a seat and ride it out. I think <laughs> it's that's easier so than smart. just standing there. It is. <laughs> it's less embarrassing. Yeah, it's easier than standing there and then like reaching under and then just pushing on your prostate to get those last couple <laughs> drops in. That's what I do. I saw a guy. I was at jury duty. I saw a guy piss like that, and I was like, "What's he doing?" And I realized, oh, he's pushing on his prostate. He reached uh, up to under his. Into his gooch and just started pushing? Yeah, I know. Honestly, I don't know why I was watching this closely. I think I was next in line. All the urinals were full. And this guy with a suit, he was taller. And I noticed he was pissing. And then I just noticed he was going like this. So imagine seeing from behind. I can tell he's like under his nuts pushing up. Mm. And, and I was like, oh, is that how you make sure you get the driblets out? And so ever since then, I started doing that. But every once in a while, I still... 
You know, I didn't have this written in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> if we're, if we're totally honest to talk about my enlarged prostate or whatever. Is this how you met going. John Lithgow? Was he the guy? Yeah. <laughs> you and I were looking at each other. And I'm like, you know what? There's something about John and me where I think you and I have the same prostate issues. And I feel like now's the time to talk about it. <laughs> That's that. why he walked away from you because you just kept saying, he kept saying, hey, Charles, <laughs> what are you pushing up under your nuts there, bud? Well, I guess he's going to leave. <laughs> I, guess, See I guess I scared off John Lithgow with my prostate issues. But that was, uh, I don't know, that was a lot of my my trip. Like, I even, uh, I mentioned exercise as far as why I walked uh, so much at the Detroit airport. I had a goal. I always have a goal to work out every day. And um, what was I? I flew into Milwaukee. I had two shows at Shank Hall. I worked out the day I came in, which is good. I worked out the next day which is great. And then Saturday, uh, I went to go work out, but I had three things go wrong, so I just quit. Do you have like a three things rule? Like this is what, this is what happened to me. Mm. I went in. I didn't want to work out. I was forcing myself to go work out. And I went to the hotel gym. I set up at the first treadmill, put out all my stuff, started my little running thing, and then I go to start. Treadmill doesn't work. Sure. Yeah, it's just like just crap treadmill. Thank you, Spring Hill Inn and Suites. And you're like, okay. That's strike one. Like, that's a mental strike one. Then I go to the next treadmill. That one starts working. And I start running, and I can tell it's like a soggy treadmill. Like, it's not. It's on carpet instead of on hard surface. So it's kind of like I'm sludging in mud, and I'm like, whatever, I'm going to work through it. Three minutes in, I get a piss. And I'm like, damn it. So I stop the treadmill, go outside. There's a bathroom next to it. I go pee, come back. And then I start running again, and... uh after running for a couple minutes, my cell phone, because it's on a soft thing, it jiggled this the the entire treadmill, and my cell phone fell off the ledge mm. and fell over, so now I can't switch songs. And I'm like, that's strike three. We're out of here. I didn't want to show up. First treadmill didn't work. Second one, I had to pee. Third one, my cell phone. We're done. Working out's not in the cards. I'm not going to look like The Rock. And I went back to the hotel and watched uh, watched college football. Yeah, I'm I'm out. Like, I have three strikes before I even get to the gym. <laughs> Once I'm in the doors, I'm fine. Then I'll work out. But it's just getting there is the problem. Like t- today, this is literally today. Yeah. Uh, I walked out the door. I was walking out the door, and I was like, well, I don't have any clean workout clothes. And then I realized, oh, I put my workout clothes in a different, j- different area specifically to forget to wash it. Yeah. Like, I- I'm sabotaging myself before I even get out the door. We had a guy painting today. It's damage to our apartment. I was like, "Well, we got a guy painting in there. I can't go I to the. Can't I can't go. go to the gym. Yeah. There's a guy painting." Yeah, I'm. I'm with Psyched you. Psyched myself out. Every excuse that I need. If I have a headache, I'm like, "Well, oh, it's not going to go on the way on the treadmill. It's just going to shake my head and make it worse." What's the damage to your apartment? The roof. The roof was leaking, and it was just despicable. Do you live in like? A, was the landlord good about it, or do you have like a weird? No. Yeah. It's been. Months. Oh, we were getting the water in our in our bedroom. Oh my god! Like pouring water sometimes, and then they fix the roof. Didn't fix it. Fix the roof, and it's just more damage. The paint was falling off the ceiling and chipping off. And I finally had to say, "This is fixed by the end of the month, or I will take care of it, and it's going to come off the rent." And I charge a lot as a general contractor. <laughs> and he found out when he didn't fix our front door, and oh, I charged him a hundred dollars an hour. Wow! Plus the cost of goods. You can do that. What is he going to say? I don't know. I have a text message from him. I said, I'll take care of it and just take it off the rent. And then he found once the rent went in and it was short, he knows how much a door handle costs. He's a landlord. Right. 
So he, he got charged 100 bucks an hour, and I was giving him a deal. If I had to do the roof, oh. wow. But I was going to start looking up averages. Yeah, I don't Because then I'm the GC. Right. I'm the general contractor of the job. Yeah. It's going to it's gonna take me time. I got to do engineering. And I'm uninsured. Yeah, uninsured, <laughs> unlicensed. Yeah. I'm using a screwdriver as a hammer. I hope the city doesn't find out that I'm doing this work. I mean, Dude, it's going to be brutal. By the time they do, the building's on fire. Yeah. yeah we have a, a super at our building who I love. His name's Kenny. I think he's Puerto Rican. Can't understand a lick of what he says. Shouldn't they just call him intendants? Like, are any of them super. living up to super? I don't know. <laughs> no, he... Dude, this guy... <laughs> I'm the superintendent. You know you're not. He's He cuts corners to the point where you're like, you cut that corner so much, you didn't hit the finish line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he put in these washer... We were supposed to have washer and dryer in unit mm. uh, when we moved in. We moved in in April. And the washer and dryer are still sitting in the uh, hallway in front of our building, not hooked up. In front of our apartment, not hooked up because uh, the city hasn't approved it. Oh. Like, our door leading into our building is just covered with city notices, like sure. stop work notices. Mm. Uh, which isn't that weird in the city the more I've walked around and seen other people's <laughs> doors. But um, so we have a washer and dryer in the basement. They have those on the – I put those on the front door of the gym. Stop <laughs> working out. <laughs> Stop. All right. Sure. Yeah. Say no more. I Say put less. them up there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get the hell out of here. But but Kenny, uh, we have we have two wa- – we have a washer and dryer in the basement. And then the whatever the pipe is that comes out of the washing machine to drain, the drain is up here, and he ran the hose – to about there and then the where it needs to go is here mm-hmm. and there's just nothing between here and here so there's like six inches of prayer i don't know what the plan was was he just gonna like it was just gonna shoot it like angle I the guess water he thought he was gonna rainbow it in like a drunk at a football game pissing 10 yards behind the That's in front hilarious. of the urinals and guess what it never hit the mark and i noticed it two months ago when the first time i did laundry down there since he hooked that thing up or whatever and it like came down, the entire basement was flooded. And I'm like, where's this water coming from? And then the second time, flooded more. And then the third time- Why is, I, it, why is it flooded and it smells amazing? Yeah, it smell. <laughs> it's so, it, the water's pristine. It, it smells like Tide. It, uh, but the, yeah. And then I waited and I was just watching how this missed. And I'm like, how do you half-ass it that much? Yeah. And then someone pointed it out to him, and it's, he just got it fixed now. But it was just flooding the basement for months. It takes like a hose. Mo- it's a, a, add you an extra a garden hose if you wanted to. Something. That's so crazy. What a bucket. And uh, so he cuts corners magnificently. And he's a mediocre attendant. He's, yeah, super's not the word. No. Uh, we had a whole thing when we moved in. I tried to set up a meeting time with the keys, and I talked to him on the phone. I had it on speaker, and my wife was in the room. No, I didn't even have it on speaker. I was talking regular, but he yells so loud. What he makes up for being able to be understood, he makes up for in volume. Sure. So he's just screaming. I didn't catch any words. And I'm like, I'm coming in at 10 a.m. from the airport, bunch of luggage, two cats, and my wife, which he didn't know about because we lied on the application. Sure. Uh and he wasn't there. So I had to like buzz and then some other neighbor let us in. And we, thankfully the door was unlocked. He didn't even lock it. So we snuck into our own place and he eventually showed up. And I remember having this moment with my wife where I'm like, maybe he's just not understandable on the phone. Maybe in person I can kind of read his lips and get out of him what I need. And then I met him in person. 
It was worse. <laughs> it was worse. It's just ah, like that's the only impression I can do is just a man yelling into your face, but not mad. It's just how he talks, and you're like, I got none of those words, man. And because I just wanted to ask him, like, where's where can we get a copy of the key? Because uh, it was like a weird. Our building door is like a car key. It's like yeah, laser yeah, yeah. cut and, in the middle. Yeah, and I'm like, where do you get this? Where? Because I don't know if a regular key place will make me no, one of these. No, no, they're laser cut. Yeah, I found a guy that did, but wow. he didn't guarantee the work. He's like, I'll copy it, but I'm not guaranteeing this because you also don't have written permission to copy this. But I'll do it for you if you pay me in cash. Yeah, so yeah. I paid this guy cash. He did his best. It worked. And uh, but yeah, that's been our our landlord Kenny, sweetheart of a guy, sweetheart of. I don't know. Uh, if he's ever had a maintenance background, to be quite honest. Clearly not. I don't think so. I think no. he mainly comes by to like set the garbage up for the trash people uh, late at night. I think that's mainly what he does. Bless his heart. Our, our painter guy today, he's done some work in our apartment before. He speaks three words of English, but yeah. his, his attitude is so good and his like attempt to like try to communicate. I'm like, yeah, I, I understand everything he says. I can. Good. And no English. Good. And sometimes and I'm you like, don't yeah, need I got it. it. I've uh, we've had better luck on TaskRabbit. We've called TaskRabbit three times, twice to hang TVs into the brick wall because we only have a drill from IKEA. Sure. And that's not going to get into that a brick getting wall. In, that's barely no. getting into to that barely, plywood. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that barely puts the bed frame together. So, and they're both both the guys that came out were Ukrainian. Mm. These like Ukrainian kids. No, one was a dude, older guy. His name was like Voldemort or something. And I, I was like joking that he's like my dad that I never met, <laughs> you know, because he and I hung the TV together. Like I helped him. And yeah. he was like, oh, I do this. He was like kind of teaching me. And I was like, ah, oh, he knows I didn't grow up with that, with the dad. Like he knows that this was a single parent child. <laughs> and he puts it down and goes, is there anything else? And you just give him two, you just hand him two baseball gloves. <laughs> what do, what, you, Should we go? Go to the yard? Listen, I I just know at the end of the second time he came to hang the second TV, we hugged for 30 seconds sure, before he left. Sure, And uh, that's how we ended it. And then the other guy was a young Ukrainian kid who put our air conditioning in the window properly. Because I was like, I think I can do it, but I also think I might kill Kenny while he's like putting the trash together. Yeah. And so we got that guy to come out. And both of those times, those guys, very broken English. They look like they're pretty fresh from Ukraine. I'm not going to say it's from the war, but maybe. And uh, very, like, we figured out the understanding. Mm -hmm. Because even though their English was broken, the volume was lower. And we could just work out what we needed. Kind of pantomime. And we figured it out. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes the yelling is, uh, is really interesting. I grew up with a, I don't know if I call him a stepdad, but my brother's dad is El Salvadorian, and he's a very soft-spoken person in person. Not very, but a soft-spoken person. Then you get him on a telephone, and it's like he's yelling uh, bomb-like codes, like password codes to the president. And you're just like, why are you yelling? And he's, he's like, well, it's a telephone. This is how you talk on a telephone. So it makes me wonder if it's like a Latin thing. It's a telephone. Yes, it's a telephone. <laughs> it's a yellow phone <laughs> to get all dad jokes. There we about go. It. Bing bang. Hey, now we're cooking. Comedy, Mark Norman. It's a microphone. We're it's... cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's it's definitely an experience in our building. It's it's been a very New York experience where we thought we wanted to live in a pre-war building with high ceilings, crown molding from the twenties. And then you get in there and you realize, oh, if you live like that, you will have every insect you've ever 
heard of, many you've never seen on National Geographic come out of the baseboards, and then you'll be like, what the hell is that? I don't even know if I can kill that. It's All the words make sense for the wrong reasons once you get in. Yeah. Pre-war. Ooh, which war? Yes. <laughs> 1920s. What? Yeah. Nobody was alive back then. How did this building survive? I don't know. The building out survived every human you've ever known in your entire life. And I'm living here? And I'm living. No. I think we're breathing. I We think the dust in the air. We have two purifiers in our apartment. Because my wife's very sensitive to dirty air. She didn't grow up in the trailer park like I did. She sure. grew up in uh, civilization. And so we have two purifiers. And there's so much dust in the air that it's like, I think it's flaring up her eczema on her hands. Jesus Christ. And we, we're pretty sure it's the apartment. Because every time we go travel together and stay at a hotel or something, it goes away. And I'm like, I think it's the apartment. And it's just, it must be dust coming from the floorboards and from everywhere from like the early 1900s. Just like, you know, uh, Spanish flu dust coming in and settling on her hand and flaring up her uh, It's such old dust that the doctor, if he diagnosed it, he would have to do it in a 1920s accent. Well, you have moxnema. Like he'd have to say it as if it was a 1920s disease. The only doctor that could treat her has to show up to the house with a leather bag, pop it open. And he's just like, well, we're going to saw your arms off. Oh, yeah. Wait, that's how you fix this? I think I got to hit you in the head. It's like the. That's how I fix it. It's the Chris Farley movie with Matthew Perry, Almost Heroes, where oh, he has to get a tooth pulled. Such a great movie. A great movie, underrated. And uh, the dentist, he's like, let me l- numb your senses and just hits him in the face with a rubber mallet. And he's like, no. Oh. He's like, yeah, your senses are dulled. And then he goes and yanks his tooth. That's who would have to come and solve. That's how old the dust is in our place. So who knows? Like, uh, I love, our apartment's very photogenic. And at night, like last night, we had a glass of wine and I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is exactly how I imagined us living in New York in this like cool apartment that's small but it's beautiful. Mm. It's aesthetically beautiful. It's just old, so it's not modern practical. Like, you you almost kind of wish, there's many times we wish we were in an apartment building that was modern without any character to it, just because everything works good. Yeah. And the floors are level. <laughs> like, dude, our bed is messed up, because I think the floor isn't level. So we've, we've already gone through one mattress. We're onto our second mattress, uh, because the I think the bed frame is so unlevel because the floor is unlevel and I keep trying to mess with the legs to level it out that one side of the mattress gets messed up. Like my wife was complaining about her side of the mattress for two mattresses since we moved in. And then finally a month ago, I'm like, let's switch because she realized my side was nice. And I, I laid there for two seconds and I'm like, you're right, the side's messed up. My lower back is on fire. And uh, I've been trying to mess with it. It's just... The floor's uneven because there's a fireplace behind our thing, and the floor comes like this and this, but it also slants from the side. So there's like three things wrong with it, and it's just I keep jamming these cardboard shiv like little slats under the legs to try to balance it. I wish it was a modern apartment that was just level. And dude, how did they build buildings back in the 1920s? Like a chimney sweep with a with a stole some lumber from the rail yard and they just didn't started, have levels. Dude, they eyeballed it. I think. I think they were just like, yeah, that's about right. It was also made with wood from the 20s and bricks. Like this, it's too old. It's too old because it wasn't built like a castle. It wasn't built with anything in te- in mind. It was like, oh shit, 
we got to put up all this stuff for all these immigrants floating in. Yeah. Just put it up. Put it up. And then that was, and now they're just still here. Yeah. And then dumb millennials a hundred years from now are going to come in and pay absorbent prices because they think it looks cool until they realize it's hurting their back. Also, we're on top. Not only is it old wood, old brick, we're over the F train. And so it has like a hundred small earthquakes every day as the F train rumbles underneath That's us and much. shakes are built. It's a light shake. Like the shaking doesn't bother us, but I think it all messes with the dust. I think it all messes with the fact that it's not level. I think it messes with everything. I didn't know we were getting into that, but that's my living situation. I'm sorry. I'm such a one-upper because your situation sucks. You have a flood coming through the ceiling. But we and also then I'm have like, a, well, my wife has eczema because of the air. Well, I'll one-down you. Yeah. We have, well, I'll one-up you. Ours is a renovated unit of an old building, so we have you know, central air, basically. So we have air conditioning, digital air conditioning in every room. So I just that's hit a button, beautiful. and five seconds later, it's ice cold. Same with hot. Got a, a dishwasher that is also currently broken that he just won't acknowledge that needs to be fixed. But other than you know, it's other than that, it's like it, I've lived in old old apartments and it's nice to have modern, a stuff. little bit, a little bit more modern. Yeah, we're looking for even more modern and more space. More space, yeah, isn't yeah. that the goal of life? Ugh. No, I've never heard of anyone going. You know, we're looking at smaller space. Bro. We're looking at smaller space and a window AC unit where. To get it cold enough in the bedroom, it has to be unbearably cold in the living room. And the only window in the building is going to be the one for the air conditioning. I don't <laughs> want any natural light. <laughs> That's the one thing not to be completely negative about the apartment. One of the upsides, we have two big windows on the two ends of the apartment. So a lot of natural light. Love natural light. And then that natural light is, I used to have a joke about it, where guys, and I still stand behind this, I think guys in their early 20s, wouldn't notice they lived in an apartment without a window until someone else pointed it out. Yeah. They would be like, whoa, you don't have any windows in your place? You'd be like, what What about the, oh, that's a door. Yeah, like we wouldn't notice. But now, now that I've lived in places with natural light, you need it. You gotta have it. You need it. Otherwise, it feels like a jail cell and you're just doing time until you can go out and live your life. Um, What else? I talked about almost pissing my pants. Everyone was against. Oh yeah, it was just one of those travel days where everyone's everyone was against me getting home. Like everybody, Delta, the weather. The day before my flight, I got a note. This is the second time this summer that this has happened. I get a notification: your flight tomorrow is canceled, and you've been rescheduled for the following day. And I'm like, wow, you can't even get me out on a later flight the same day. It's not even delayed. It's just you're not going, and. I called, and I was like, hey, it's okay if you don't put me into JFK or LaGuardia. Is Newark an option? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we can get you into Newark. You'll just leave a little bit later. You, you'll get home a few hours later. So then I, I drive to the airport. Why am, why am I the one? Why am I the one to think of that? To tell exactly. you that. Why, why doesn't Delta know that Newark is an option? No. Well, I think they lost their, their New York status. Delta? No, Newark. Oh, because I don't of think the... they're considered New York City anymore, like as a New York City air- airport. I get that because yeah. it's in another state, but it's also the same amount of driving for me to get home right, right, right. from LaGuardia, JFK, or Newark. So then they were able to bump me over to Newark, get me home the same day, just hours later. And I was like, okay. And then we get over there, and then uh, flight delays, flight delays, whatever. We get 
to we finally get to Newark. We go to get off the plane, and you know those weird security doors where they open, you walk in, they close behind you, and then they let you Second out. Second set, other... yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing was broken, so mm. I show up. It's malfunctioning, and I show up. There's like a hundred people waiting to go through these four doors. And there's like employees there. I guess the sensor wasn't working and everyone's being let in four at a time and it would close. So it took forever to get out. Jesus. Then I call my lift and the lift Uber pickup area was slammed. No one's moving, but none of the cars are lifts or Ubers. They're all people picking up other people that aren't waiting on the other side because that mm. side's packed. And there was a lady, God bless uh, African-American women. Because they don't take, a lot of them don't take crap off of anybody. This lady got into this guy's face while he's sitting in his car. He goes, you're not a lift. I can't get to my lift because you're here. Get the hell out of here. That's and great. The guy still didn't move. He just rolled up his window. But <laughs> <laughs> class, Someone said it. Yeah, someone said it. And she was standing up for all of us. Because I agreed too, but I'm not, I'm very non-confrontational. I'm a starer, just like John sure. Lithgow. And so... And then my my lift calls me and goes, hey, I can't get in. Go over to the shuttle side. I'll pick you up at the shuttle side. So I just walk over to the other side of the island. He zoops in, and he's like, this. he comes out, and he goes, his name's Bikram. I remember him because he's a sweet guy. He comes out, he's like, this is illegal. Hurry up. And then so I threw my stuff in the trunk, and we ran in. My door was open while he sped off because he didn't want a ticket for doing what he just did. That's so and funny. And we're hauling ass out of the airport as soon as we hit the freeway. A cop in front of us shuts down the freeway. And now we're just sitting on the freeway. And I'm like, they just don't want me to get home. Yeah, the Cancels flight, broken door, all this stuff. And then now they shut down the freeway to let these like large uh, semi-trucks go through uh, that had like big, I don't know what they were, these big things on them. I guess they were important. Important enough to shut down the freeway for. And then they finally let us through and, he, and we got home. And then it got to my third issue, which this is how my wife gets to welcome me home. I don't know what it is about my body, but when I have a flight with a layover, I come home with the worst gas I've ever had in my life. Yeah, all the up and down, the pressure. I think the pressure. Yeah. And then I had all the whiskey in me from the lounge, plus all the little sandwiches and cookies I was jamming into my body. My body's like digesting and it's loud and so, like, my wife comes in to hug me. Oh, I miss you. And then just burn like a foghorn <laughs> in a moonless winter night. And then she's like, seriously? I'm like, I was holding that because I didn't want to upset Bikram on the on the on the lift ride i was holding that she's like thanks for saving that for me and then i just farted for the next four hours until we finally went to bed that's a lot that's a lot of farting yeah between my urine issue and my gas issue when we go up and down i really need to get health insurance this next open season next time they open it up i'm gonna get health insurance i'm gonna figure out my blood pressure i'm gonna figure out my pissing and then i'm gonna figure out my gas and 2024 is my year to figure all this out. They're probably going to say, yeah, man, you're just getting old. It's that Louis C.K. <laughs> bit. Yeah, it's just what happens. Have you ever had an Uber it'd take you to an airport before it was legal for Ubers to go to airports? Yes. I had to do, yeah. I did that once. I don't know where the hell I was, but the lady was like, we got to like really sneak in there. And we came up with the plan that I was going to give her a hug when I left. <laughs> As if she was my auntie or my mom or something, so that it looked like she was dropping me off as a friend. And we embraced, and it was really nice. And she I was wish, like, Thank you for doing that, because I could have got lost my 
lift privileges. Right. Yeah. yeah. She could have lost. She could have been kicked off lift. She could have yeah. gotten a ticket that was yeah. probably more than whatever she got paid to take you. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish that was still the rule. You I would had, just love, hug. <laughs> I would love to see a situation where you see all these cars pull up and people just hugging strangers. I think it would put you in a better state of mind to go into the airport and there'd be less people yelling at gate agents for canceled flights. So you're like, nah, I'm good. I just hugged a stranger. I'd just love to see how, how far you'd have to go. Like, well, they figure out the hugging, so now we have to open mouth kiss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you just, gotta you, kiss like the... Zoltan and Bikram just... <laughs> fingering each other <laughs> have zoltan, a good flight <laughs> zoltan and B bikram kissing like that soldier that came back you know the famous photo i yeah. dip him and, <laughs> and i'm like thank you for the ride five stars i'll i'll put the tip on the app dad, dad. <laughs> you, just, you just mouth kissed your father yeah i'm hungarian yeah, yeah. uh anyway that's been the show for this week thank you for listening downloading sharing subscribing whatever you do to listen go to zoltancomedy.com see me live and uh, ciao, everybody. Trekking heavier, traveling light. There's one thing that's right wherever I go. That's where 